0: There's a question that's come up a little bit. Um, and sometimes it's the form of a doubt and sometimes it feels like a worthwhile investigation. Um, the question is of. Uh, uh, essentially acquiring information, the difference. Uh, I'll, I'll do a little outlining so uh, okay. that. Um, Dasa talks about uh, in the the handbook for mankind, he gives an example of the one who is completely satisfied. If a lightning bolt struck behind him, he would not be curious because um, there isn't that threat to his life.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yes, but once at the, the same lightning time, bolt is stri- struck, it's not dangerous because it's already struck. It's done its energy. It missed you.
0: Yes, and the restlessness is thinking there's some benefit to figuring it out after it
2: happened, when there is. Mm-hmm. Another example that I have actually seen based upon, uh, back to what we were talking about, of the video shots, the uh, the equivalent of a one-liner in video, and that is, is to see the Ukrainian shoulder walking across the field. And a huge weapon, whatever, goes off about 10 paces behind him. Dirt, mud, everything slung in the air, a great big explosion. And he doesn't even bother to turn around or change his gait. Why? Because that one didn't get him. Why should he worry about it? Okay, so... um, The thing about lightning, though, is is that's a fairly rare event. But Mm -hmm. um, in regard to uh, the, the warfare, we have the slings and arrows of outrageous things happening to us individually on a regular basis. Near misses. Hundreds of thousands of near misses. And we pay attention to that as if they actually hit us. Okay. Um, an example of that is, is the uh, the teenage boy sees the, um, the bullies turning the corner at school. And um, before the bully even sees this kid, this kid is already afraid of the bully. He's already acting afraid. In mm-hmm. fact, he's behaving in a way that the bully is going to catch that and then attack him, that in fact, if uh, he had seen the bully before the bully sees him, he can take some sort of um, smart evasive action, like turn around and uh, pretend like you're going into this guy's locker, or to walk into another room, or just turn around and walk in the same direction that the bully is walking, but now you're 30 or 50 feet ahead of him. Huh. Rather rather than freezing, waiting for him to come up. Okay, so this that Vikabuddha Das is talking about, these, these near misses, if we are aware of them, that in fact lightning isn't instant, but there is an event that happens that it has a process. Um, and so it it's it's fairly quick. But the point is, is that uh, we can hear it as it's happening, just like that Ukrainian soldier probably knew that that missile was coming. You can hear those things coming. But he also was trained well enough to know that that, um, uh, the sound of it indicated that it wasn't coming directly towards him. In other words, he probably knew that he was safe before that shell landed because he was paying attention. Mm. And so this is the way that we can begin to open our awareness. Here's also another um, way of speaking at it is, is that one, <laughs> it almost became kind of a game, not a, not an intense game. But occasionally the game was between Achan and I, can I sneak up on him? Because that's the game that he was playing was, can he sneak up on me? And yes, he could. He, uh, uh, That was part of the training of me just being standing there. And he would walk up behind me and say something, a one-liner generally. In fact, the one that he said mostly was ta-ta-ta, which meant, hey, dude, wake up, be here now. I'm, I was able to come right up to you, and you didn't even know it. <laughs> and, and so um, uh, this also fits in with many, many practices that are known, uh, like, for instance, the Zen stick. The whole point about the Zen stick is for the students to wake up before they get hit and make enough movement for the teacher to know or the Zen master to know that he's there so that he doesn't get hit, that the Zen master is only going to be hitting people who don't pay attention to what's going on. Mm -hmm. This is also very true in Because Zen is very closely related to martial arts. If you're not watching what's going on, you're going to get hit. And so, um, this is a major thing that seems to be missing generally in Western Buddhism because the Buddhists in the West tend to think that all meditation means going deep. Hmm. All right, going deep into your own mind as opposed to being in the present moment. Be here now, Watch what your mind is doing on the surface that you don't have to go deep. Mm-hmm. I got a puppy here that's biting my feet, and <laughs> <laughs> let me close the door to save my toes.. <laughs>
3: You 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 skillfully handled that unwholesome thought, Don Morado. That puppy. You skillfully handled that unwholesome thought. (laughs) (laughs) That unwholesome thought was
2: biting your toes. Uh huh. Uh, uh, Yes. Um, uh, We have a. uh, I think she's about seven weeks old now. Um. Seems to be a a Jack Russell Terrier cross. And uh, I've been around a lot of puppies in my life, and I know that they bite and chew on everything. But this kid, she (laughs) is a uh, non-give-up pistol. I mean, I can take one thing that I did while we were talking was that I actually kicked that poor puppy about five or six feet, and she landed on her feet running back, grabbed my foot again. (laughs) Oh my God! And that uh Kitty has uh uh been quite rough with her because Kitty's a child uh when the puppy bites it hurts, and she will slap the puppy around. She knocked the kid off the bed all right across the room, and that did not slow that pup down any. Oh, hmm. It's something that's in the genes of this this dog. I've been around alphas before, but I've got a super alpha on my hands right now. (laughs) Uh, It's also interesting to watch her with the other dogs. Christopher, good to see you. Hey, Christopher. Hello. So, anyway... uh, We don't really have a topic yet. Christopher, do you have something that you'd like to talk about today?
4: Uh, no, I just wanted to hop in because I haven't been in in a while. So I so yeah. figured I'd, i Can I, I restate couple... the
0: answer you gave me uh, and see if that understanding makes sense? The question on restlessness?
2: Uh huh.
0: That okay. um, it seems like there's sometimes <laughs> that sort of. Uh, I've seen this in my experience, some sort of niggle of needing to know something that uh, I'm not going to be safe unless I learn it. Um, This could be with an academic topic or even um, in a situation where I'm out and about and there's something that's in my perception and there's the feeling of needing to know in some way. Sometimes the attention just goes automatically because there's movement. Mm -hmm. And other times there's the observation, then the uh, sort of dissatisfaction related to it. And then, yeah,
2: go ahead. All right. So what we're really now talking about is the issue of inadequate information to come to a conclusion. Mm -hmm. Okay. We have inadequate information to come to a conclusion and that that actually then would be ignorance or uh, actual ignorance, because we know that we don't know enough. And so that we can um, process that. One of the ways of processing not having enough data is to go and do some research. And sometimes that means that we've got to wait, like to set up an experiment. If we want to know something, but normally what we do as humans is, is that because we're impatient, we'll say that all the adequate, the information that I have is adequate enough for me to come to a conclusion. And so we then come to a conclusion and the conclusion we come to is wrong. But because we came to that conclusion and uh, it's wrong, it's my conclusion, and so we will stick with my conclusions even though they're wrong. And the wiser thing to do is to recognize that when we don't know something, that we don't know it, and that's okay. Mm. So doubt. is different than this kind of ignorance we can call it now three kinds of ignorance we have wise ignorance the ignorance means that i do not know and i know that i do not know and that i'm comfortably Mm -hmm. happy not knowing and if the information that i need comes then i will know that when it does come so that's one kind of ignorance wise ignorance the second kind of ignorance is the kind that we normally have, and that is delusional ignorance. Oh, well, I think I know. Here's mm-hmm. my opinion. <laughs> and we and we grab and cling to our opinions about things. Even when new information comes by, we'll throw out the new information because I've already got enough information, enough information to form an opinion. And my opinion is all I care about not the facts <laughs> said, this is delusional thinking and this is most this is the most common kind and then there is the other kind the third kind which we would call doubt in the sense that i don't know i know i don't know but i really need to know mm. okay this is when it becomes a hindrance I need to know rather than, oh, I don't know and I don't need to know. I'll just sit around and be happy while I don't know. So we can begin to look at these kinds of things within our own behavior to see which of these three do we have because it's actually a choice. Not having the correct information is not our choice. We don't have that choice then in fact that's been basically the evolution of humanity in the past 10,000 years is coming from not knowing things into knowing. And there's been a long bloody trail in there in between because people didn't know but thought that they did. Hmm. A clear example of that is uh, a preemptive strike. Hello, Scott.
5: Hello. Hey, Scott.
2: A, A preemptive strike then means that, oh, I had better attack the enemy because if I don't attack him, he probably will attack me. And both sides have that mentality to where, in fact, they could sit down and have dinner together if they had a different mentality. But we will strike out of protection. Then, in fact, <clears throat> you can see that that's what Putin has done. Putin is striking the Ukraine out of fear that <clears throat> the, um, uh, that NATO is encroaching upon him. And so that's that, uh, that kind of delusional thinking that I had better do something. I don't know what's going on, but I'd better go do something. i better go find out. So this is the kind of doubt then that as meditators, that's the kind that we generally need to deal with to recognize that just because I don't know doesn't mean that one that I have to make something up to feel better. Or to go get the right information in order to feel better, that I can just leave the data to present itself when it's needed or when not when it's needed, but when it presents itself and that we can wait until then. That we don't need to go and act right away, because almost always the actions that will be taken, we would like to withdraw them that are not worth really. That's not the right thing to do. So we will act out of fear. We will act out of doubt. We will act out of ignorance, but we don't know that uh, that our ignorance is the problem. So we will become deluded. Uh, And that one of the delusions that we have, in fact, uh, one of the kinds of delusions that we have, the most common delusion is the things that we were told. We have been lied to. Our whole society is uh, based upon. Ownership and control and agency, and that uh, we all seem to think that if we find some information that we own it. Um, This is what we mean in in the sense of actually legislation. We have copyright laws and patents and uh, the whole idea of ownership of data and information. And Asia's um, mentality is that uh, information it is not owned. It's kind of funny in Thailand that there's been three major events that that have happened. One happened with CDs. Another one happened with tobacco. And a third one happened with software. Okay, the CDs and the DVDs, when that market hit... Uh, and that um, it was it was possible um, to manufacture CDs by by stamping them out, so that it's actually very cheap to make CDs and DVDs. And once they get to the presses, they can just stamp everything. And so uh, in the 1980s and 90s, the streets of Bangkok were literally covered with stalls that sold all kinds of every piece of music that was available on the music scene that had a DVD. There was a copy of that DVD somewhere on this city block in Bangkok. And the, uh, Hollywood movie industry hated that because they couldn't make any money off of it. Now, the question is who owns that CD is the Asian mentality who made the CD. That's who owns the CD. In the West, they say, I don't care about the CD. I own the information on that CD. I own the music. And you can see that that begins to gain cultural clashes. The same thing happened with software that in fact, if I buy a computer in Thailand, it will have Windows, probably Windows 10 on it still. And right down at the bottom of the screen, it says this Windows is not authorized. You need to go get a um, authorization for it. Well, guess what? I've got two servers that have been running. One of them running for more than a year. has never been authorized. And not only that, but because it's not authorized, I don't have to put up with uh, uh, Microsoft or Windows at all. The updates don't work. That means I've got a stable system. I don't have to get any new updates. Also, uh, I don't get any advertisements from them. They don't know who it is, okay, because it's just a blind unauthorized version of windows, but it works perfectly well for any and everything that we want. I would say probably about two thirds of all the windows in Thailand on the laptops and PCs all over the place and big businesses, small businesses, all of them have that little shadow thing in the corner saying this windows is not authorized. But in the United States, how many of you have ever seen an unauthorized version of Windows uh, notice on your screen? Not do it. Why? Because the, uh, the laptop manufacturers there play by Western rules. Here in Thailand, they don't play by Western rules. They play by Asian rules. So that's a very interesting point. Who owns the information? And that's in the West. They have the idea that that uh of ownership and control of information of data and in uh the asian mentality it's ownership and control of the media of the data the physical object not the data itself if we can take that yes somebody had a question never mind okay so um We can actually take that and to understand that because information is um, kind of important in the West, then that means that the people who believe information is important are easily controllable. People who are awake and aware of what's going on around them and uh, can see what's going on, They don't think about the data that they don't know is whether it's uh, uh, valuable or not. In other words, it's out of sight, out of mind. If I don't know it, uh, we also have the idea that ignorance is bliss. Have you ever heard of that phrase? Ignorance is bliss. How many of you will find people arguing? No, that's not true. Ignorance is dangerous.
0: Yeah, ignorance is suffering. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, it depends upon what kind of ignorance. If it is wise ignorance, then it is bliss. If it is delusional ignorance, it may be dangerous. And if it is doubtful ignorance, then it's guaranteed to be dangerous. So wise ignorance is I don't
3: know. I know I don't know. And I can be happy with not knowing.
2: While and waiting. I don't give a flying rip. <laughs> don't right. know, don't
3: care. <laughs> don't know yeah. and
2: don't care. Right.
3: And then uh, delusional ignorance is I think I know. And basically don't entertain any other kind of knowing. Like my answer is the one that's correct.
2: Right. Uh. You can you can see that kind of thing in one of the little clips that I have seen on on YouTube is um, there's a couple of guys, a team that go around to events like um, uh, Trump rallies and and interview people. And uh, listen to the the way that the people talk in the sense of, though, I have not been watching the. um, January, the six uh, things I don't need to watch it because I don't need any data. My mind is made up. My mind is made up. Don't give me any facts. Mm. <laughs> OK, this this is very, very common uh, in Western world because we think that data is important. And therefore, the data that I have is important, even if it's false, it's still important. It's my view. It's my ideas. This is what I believe. And <laughs> and, and don't give me any reality.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So how so any can-
0: belief, any investigation about reality is just a hypothesis. And even the Four Noble Truths is just a hypothesis that we've tested again and again and again. And we found
2: realistic. hmm and based on reality. Right, exactly. That's it, that we can test it, testing it over and over and over again. Then, in fact, in that regard, uh, we could say that um, we should endeavor to stay wisely ignorant and continue to look, to continue to gather data. Whatever data is there, we can gather that up, but we don't have to add data that doesn't exist. In order to come to a conclusion, because we do not like being confused. How many of you like actually being confused? Nobody likes it. Why is it that? Be fun. Hmm?
5: Well, I mean, it's like, uh, let's say, like something really strange is happening, and you're confused, but it's like kind of entertaining. How like strange it is, or like like um you may be confused about like because there's so much information going on that you're confused about all the information going <laughs> you know what i'm trying to say it's like uh i guess that wouldn't be confusion but that would be like a uh, more like awe or like wonder what more, it's more like wonder than confusion i guess like okay. when you're like what, ah, uh, like when you're in awe or wonder, like you don't really know, like you don't have like a grasp on things per se. So you, in a sense, you could be confused.
2: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. we have words like that. One of the words that we have would be amazing. Have you ever heard amazing? Of it? Yeah. Amazing. Do you know what the word actually means? Do you know what amaze <clears throat> is? Like amaze. <clears throat> A maze. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, sometimes they'll put a maze in a, uh, uh, a park with big bushes and you get caught in in the in the maze. OK, so amazing actually means that you're stuck in something and you can't find your way out. But the 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 underlying part of it is, is the need to know if it's actually dangerous and in other words if there was also a tiger or a gorilla or maybe russian armed forces in the maze that i'm caught in then i really would like to get out of that maze or maybe like homer simpson just kind of melt into the maze <laughs> 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 So I understand what you're saying, Scott. There is some kinds of information that we can be at wonder with and that mm-hmm. that's OK. An example, I can give you several examples. One is that there are certain sports games, baseball, football, whatever, and right up to the last minute, everyone is still in their seats right up to the very last instant. And then there are other sport games when two-thirds of the fans have already left before the game's over. Why is that? Because they're not amazing? Well, because they're no longer amazed. They know who's going to win. The score has already shown who's going to win this. There is no more doubt about who's going to win. Therefore, there (laughs) is no reason to hang around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And in fact, there may be some several very spectacular shots that are happening at the end of the game. And very few people saw it because they had already decided that the game was over. Mm. All right. Another example of that would be both movies and books or novels. That why do people read the whole novel? Why do people watch the whole movie? And in fact, the way that I watch movies is I'll watch the beginning of the movie, I'll cycle through, get a bit of pits in the middle of it, and then I'll watch the end of the movie. And I can do a movie in three to five minutes. Don't take me two <laughs> hours to watch a movie. <laughs> is it because
3: they don't know what's going to happen and they need to know? So it's... Hey. That and not only that, but anything. a lot
2: of it is false. The reason that I watch the beginning of the movie is so that I can check out who the heroines are, who the who the heroes and the heroines and the villains are, and then I go to the end of the movie to prove that I was right. <laughs> 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 because all of them are that way. Think about it. Uh, that even in cliffhangers, they don't uh, like uh, a big here's several examples. One of them was The Sopranos and how it ended and the other one was Superman the death of Superman Superman wasn't supposed to die is he still alive? They do still that with Elvis Presley and other things like that. Oh, you're not supposed to have a tragic ending. You're supposed to have a hero won the game. Mm -hmm. And so we don't like it when something bad happens or is not expected. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one example, uh, The King's Men uh, was a movie that I saw uh, some of. And in the beginning, the, uh, the young hero, uh, hero was introduced, and then his dad was introduced, and then the hero was killed. And they are not supposed to do that in a movie. You're not supposed to kill the hero. It turns out that it was his dad that was the hero. But his dad wouldn't have been motivated to do what he was doing without his son getting killed in the war so that he goes and becomes the king's man. Okay, so these are the kind of things that are set up like that. But you still always have a hero. If you know that that's going to happen or that it's going to be a cliffhanger, You know what a cliffhanger is, Uh, and they started that in the 1920s when they had uh, the perils of Pauline and other uh, uh, things like that. And to get the people to come to the movie next week. They would have uh, Pauline in great peril, but they didn't knock her off. They didn't kill her. They just left her in grave danger. And now you got to go see what happened. What happened? What happened? Right. Right. Guess what? They have done what now? Nine, eight or nine Star Wars, all of them, ending in a (laughs) cliffhanger. Yeah. Getting ready for the next um, one. So now that we're beginning to understand this, we can begin to see that much of this mentality that we have was a learned mentality. That in Asia, they learned a mentality about property and ownership and um, uh, information and all of that. But in the West, information has value. It has sometimes a monetary value to it. And because of that, we highly prize information. Westerners, uh, uh, Americans will look down on, oh, well, Tainan is not nearly as economically or scientifically advanced as Americans, and that's the criteria that they use, and they don't recognize that your average village person in Tainan is much better off in his life than your average Westerner because the average Thai is okay with what's happening today. He goes to his field and he does a little bit and he pleases his animals and he's having a ball. And Westerners are saying, I got to know, I got to know, I got to know. I got to find out. If I get enough information, I'll be enlightened. <laughs> 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 and so no we look at. Go ahead, Scott. Uh, when we we're talking about Star
5: Wars, uh, it made me think of. Um, conversation I was having with my mom uh when we were watching Star Wars. It, it it's like Star Wars is like a a really good example of like the idea of good versus evil, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So I want
5: I wanted to know what you think about the whole concept of uh good and evil and uh what what are the implications of that and like um is there such a thing as evil like it or is it just is it just nature is it just all a natural
2: process the on, the only thing that i know that's actually evil is that question <laughs> 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 that in fact um is <laughs> is important for us to begin to see that good and evil are concepts, their value judgments, and that they're almost always based upon our feelings of liking and not liking that. If I like something, then I think that, oh, I, I will like it next time. It makes me feel good right now. It'll make me feel good later. Therefore, I want it in the vicinity of me so that I can get my pleasure from it at any time. This is where ownership comes in. I've got to own that girl. That beautiful girl makes me feel so good. I got to have her. I got to own her. I got to prove to myself that she's mine. Okay. So uh, that that ownership then has more delusions built into it. So the first delusion is I like it. It's just a feeling. That is basically coming out of biology, but it is also have a lot of delusional things to it. In other words, if you already see that uh, Donald Trump, for instance, as a criminal, then when you see him telling a lie, it's kind of like, oh, there he goes again. I got that Mm -hmm. one. Or it Mm could be that dirty criminal. I hate him. And then somebody else can hear that lie that he's saying, but they have already an affection for Donald Trump. And so they'll either let him get away with it or worse still, they'll believe the lie, Uh, even though the lie has no evidence to back it up and probably a lot of evidence that goes against it. But they will not take the evidence because they like the guy or they like something. Okay, so our liking and our disliking is is kind of based upon delusion of where did we get our liking and our not liking. And then the next point is is that if we, and Bhikkhu Buddha also talks about this, is that if we have wisdom at the point of contact, if we know why we like something and what the value of it is, et cetera, like that, then we can make wise decisions about how we feel. But normally Mm. we don't. We normally do things uh, out of habit, which would also be mean out of ignorance and out of delusion. So if I like that, whatever it is, that object, then I want it. Now the real delusions comes in in the sense of, oh, I need it. I'm now incomplete. Before I even saw that thing, I was okay. But now that I see it, I like it. I want it. I've got to have it. You can see the little kid um, sitting in the uh, uh, the uh, the grocery cart, and and the kids just having fun watching up and down. And mom makes the huge mistake of taking the kid down the cereal aisle and now the kid sees that box of what post toasties or tony the tiger or whatever it is and now that he sees it i want it i've got to have it and that two-year-old three-year-old child then makes the decision right there i am not good enough without post toasties. i've got to have it now if mom is why okay. she's going to give that box of post toasties to the kid and tell him, you can carry this box of post toasties around the, the, the store, but when we check out, it's going to stay in the store, but you can have it right now. <laughs> but most moms are not smart enough to pull that kind of trick. And so there's going to be a scene. I've actually seen uh, so it get so bad that the mom will actually leave the aisle that that child is in with that basket screaming about those post and mom doesn't know how to handle it, and she takes a hike. She'll go someplace else. She tries to get away from the child. Okay, so now we set that up. This is how we all operate. We like something, and we think that we will be better off if we can get it, that somehow we're not good enough. Yeah. That leads then to, oh, well, if it is going to improve me, then it is an improvement. Therefore, it must be good. If I like it, it is something that I want and desire, and it is good. And if I don't like it, that means it's evil. Uh, The knowledge uh, of good and evil is not done wisely. It's done out of feeling ignorant feelings, I like it, I want it, it must be good, I don't like it, it must be bad, it's evil. So this is where evil and good come from. Now, that's not at all the same question as, let us say, kusala and a kusala or wholesome and unwholesome, nor is it at all like appropriate and non-appropriate. Then, in fact, one of the ways that we kind of look at evil, you even ask the question, is there anything that is inherently evil? Mm -hmm. Anything actually has a constituent component that makes it inherently evil. In other words, you're asking about the meaning of life. Does life itself have any meaning to it? And the answer is only what you feel. If you feel and you feel ignorantly, then you will make ignorant decisions about how important things are. And if you uh, feel and allow yourself to feel and then feel wisely, you can have a beautiful life because you're not judging things as good or bad or evil or whatnot. You're just looking at it in the sense of, is this uh, appropriate right now? So, Amarato, yes.
3: So how to feel wisely? How to interrupt this chain of going from liking to wanting to needing to gotta having?
2: Well, we can back up one more step in Paticca Samupada. Back to, because uh, I mentioned w- wisdom at the point of contact, when something contacts right. us, that's the time to wake up to how do we actually feel, to recognize I like this or I don't like it. That's to the way you start. That. Okay, to start. Okay, To actually that
3: thought narrative. hmm
2: to recognize okay. that I do like something. Get in touch with these feelings directly. We're not talking about emotions, Hal. Emotions are the kind of feelings we have ignorantly. But if we have feelings wisely, then those feelings are not emotions. They're ahas. Okay. That I So see is, it that.
4: Basically,
3: is it basically so when something comes up and there's a sense of liking it, and you are seeing that at the point of contact and you look into it, you, you see into it further Then what we're really trying to do is understand what that feeling is to to to, to create more intimacy with that feeling. Right. Rather really, than take it as face value, take right. it as rather than take it as a fact.
2: We're trying to understand what it actually is. Precisely. And so, uh, this in a way is exactly opposite of what, uh, people think of, uh, when they talk about suppressing your feelings or suppressing your emotions and that Mm -hmm. that's somehow a bad thing and that you're supposed to let it out. This Mm -hmm. is possibly one of the most important lies that psychology has ever told. Is that you've got to express your feelings. Well, what they're looking at is the situation to where someone is boiling inside, feeling really, really upset, uptight, angry. And his only choice is to either spew that anger and hatred all over the place or just continue to let it bottle up. And eventually it will explode. Right. And so they say, well, we need a relief valve to let the pressure off. Well, what we're doing here is we're backing up to the point of uh, saying, wait a minute, the pressure came because of heat. That we need to look at where the heat is Mm -hmm. before it becomes pressure. In other words, before we get into a state of feeling in the sense of emotional. And by the way, the emotional always has to do with need. We've gone too far. We're way into it. In fact, this is where good and evil lies is way too late. But if we could back it up to just to the point of liking, I like it, I don't like it and stay with that. The next step after that can be then to recognize how or why do I like what I see? And the answer Hmm. to that will be one of two possibilities. One is is that it comes directly out of the DNA. It comes directly out of our instincts. Or it can be learned behavior. In other words, it came out of somebody else's instincts. This is the way that we can begin to see where do our feelings come from. In other words, why hmm. do we like those slender, young, women when uh, a fat old woman has all of the same equipment. In fact, she's got even more equipment and probably some knowledge. You'd be better off with a fat old woman than you would with that skinny young woman. But our instincts tell us that it should be the young, slender woman and also that it's society. Because Here's something very funny. You guys probably don't know this, but if you ever have a chance of watching a Bollywood movie, you know what Bollywood is. That comes from Bombay. It's the Hollywood industry in India. All the heroes and heroines in Bollywood movies are fat. Their movie star celebrities in India are fat, overweight. (laughs) Would not be considered beautiful by American standards at all. And in fact, neither is there music. Have you ever heard Indian music? You don't like mm-hmm. it. You know why? Because it doesn't fit the 12-tone scale that we have in our Western mentality about what music is supposed to sound like. Okay, so we can actually now begin to understand that beauty may not be directly involved deep into our genes, but rather the beauty is the lies that we've been told by the society. That we could go so far as to say that the major teaching of the Buddha... Okay, Scott, go ahead.
5: Okay, well, in terms of, like, uh, attraction, um, there has to be a big genetic... component because you're going to want to pick uh someone more fit for to carry offspring so but so oh wow
2: that's very intellectual you sound like a philosopher writing a book right now we're not talking about that kind of intellectual stuff we're talking about "Ah," kind of feelings (laughs) right well that
5: like yeah that's what leads to like uh
2: Reproducing.
5: Um, I mean, I'm talking about like back, you know, just like
2: uh, Guess how we got
5: here.
2: And I don't know about all cultures. I haven't been to all cultures, nor would I um uh, be welcome to do this kind of research. But I would say, based upon society and what I see, that in Western culture, 99% of sex has nothing to do with procreation. Yeah, for sure. Not at, at all. In fact, most of the sex has to do to have the sex and to avoid the procreation, to where the original intention of sex was to have more babies. And yet, how many of you actually look at that girl and say, wow, she's going to make a great baby factory? <laughs> you don't think that. <laughs> No, it has to do with the um, uh, the some features and some desi- uh, um points that indicate uh, something in your past. In other words, if your society is um, well, let's say it this way: if the society is very, very heavily, deeply into makeup, and every girl's got to be on in public has got to wear makeup, but uh, the women in your family don't wear makeup. They poo poo makeup. There's no makeup in the house. And that child, when he goes out on the street, when he sees women all made up, he'll look at that and see, oh, I see makeup. Hmm. But the other kid in that uh, um, uh, community, but his family is all, and his wife, I mean, his mother and his sisters and everybody's just all dolled up with all the makeup that they can pack on then when he goes out in public and see makeup, he says, my, that girl is beautiful. And he doesn't even see the girl. All he sees is the paint job. Can't see the girl. There's nothing there for him to see because he is actually looking for what he has been told to look for in beauty. So if we could begin to do this, we can begin to recognize, Oh, I like that girl. Wow, she's drop-dead gorgeous, but I don't want her. I can like something and not want it. If I like it and want it, now I'm going to slide downhill into, you know, getting my cell phone out and making dates and all kinds of things and going to uh, pharmacies and you know, <laughs> you <guys are laughs> that rigmarole. So the whole idea is is that if we can catch it at the point of contact and recognize my feelings are based upon either biology within or uh, someone else's biology, then we can back it up one step. And this is where we're going to now is the issue of the Saliatana. Why, when you saw the girl... Did you like her? Why, when you saw that car, did you like it? What kind of thoughts were you having, et cetera, like that, that indicated that that car is beautiful? I mean, I really, really like that big burn spot on the hood. And I really like the rips in the uh, the furniture, uh, the seats. I mean, it looks like the dog has chewed up the dash. This is a really beautiful car. Okay. We don't think about it like that. We, um, we're looking at it in the sense of it's supposed to be beautiful because it's supposed to look new. It's supposed to look beautiful because it's new. We like something when it's new. An example of that, have you ever manufactured something when you were a kid or uh, uh, done something maybe whittled on a stick? And as you're whittling, you really like the results. This is beautiful. I like this whittle that I've done. But then later you set that stick down and you never feel that way about it again. It's only when it's new. This is also with uh, new relationships. When you meet somebody new, you get really eager about it. So um, where does this idea that things that are new are desirable and things that are old are undesirable? Why is that? Is it because of our culture? These are the things that we need to look at inside of our mind. Why do I like that? What is it that puts that there? And now we're beginning to look at how we perceive things. What kind of data did I use when I perceived uh, this object as beautiful?
6: There's the
2: concept
6: of diminishing returns and also in general that repetitiveness gets boring.
2: Ah, repetitiveness does not necessarily get boring. Repeating something (laughs) over and over again and not watching what you're doing, that's boring. Mm. Doing the same thing over and over again does not necessarily mean that something is going to be boring. How many of you have gotten bored with tasting food? How many of you have gotten bored with Breathing. No, (laughs)
1: we
2: we don't get bored with some things that we repeat over and over and over again, and in fact, uh, breathing uh, is is life giving and that we know that we may not pay much attention to it, but it would be wise if we did. To pay attention to the breathing. Because you're going to be doing it over and over and over again. Okay, but if we, uh, you, in, in fact, one of the things about the repetitive, have you ever heard it in this way? It gets old. That's the phrase, <laughs> okay? This is getting old. Why? Because it's the same thing over and over again. Guess what? Something that's happening over and over and over again doesn't necessarily wear out. Physical objects will wear out. But a lot of stuff can happen over and over and over again, and it doesn't wear out. You get strong from it instead. And so we can actually practice uh, Anapanasati this way also, is that in fact we want to, um, let us say, gain pleasure out of the repetition. We can actually train ourselves to get pleasure out of the repetition to where the normal way of doing it is is that we get bored with it. I mean, the uh, one of the biggest jokes or long-lasting jokes that you've heard is uh, going into a meditation sitting, waiting for the bell to ring. How many of you have actually done that, waited for the bell to ring? Why? Well, you're waiting for the bell to ring because you want to get over with. Why? Because your meditation has gotten old. Boring. And this is the way that we normal practice. We practice that way and then we do it too much. And what is too much? Well, it's no longer pleasurable. In fact, meditation can be downright evil. Because we don't like it. We don't like it because we're not paying attention that if we actually paid attention to this breath, wow, this is really life-giving, this is another breath. One of the things, in fact, that I wanted to mention to you is the idea about making sure that your nasal passages are clear, that it is uncomfortable to breathe when the nose is stopped up, right? Makes sense, doesn't it? So check it right now, check to see is your navel passages open right now so that you can breathe freely. Then in fact, just then when I breathed in, I could feel just a little bit of mucus in there. And so we can clean that out. And now I can breathe even better than I did. Okay, so with that, that's pleasurable, to clean the mucus uh, the out and to be able to breathe well feels really, really delightful. And so we can practice doing that on a regular basis throughout our sitting. How's the breathing? Is it open? Is it comfortable? Is it clear? And then we do something to do it. It really, really feels such a relief to clear out congestion. So that you can breathe with both and you can do that even if you've got a cold or or stopped up you can in fact do things that can get it cleaned out we have medications like antihistamines you can put salt water uh in fact there's an old indian technique that where you have the um, uh, salty water warm salty water is the absolute best and you put it into the cup of your hand and then you'll hold your nose with the thumb and breathe in on one side and then hold the nose on the other side and breathe in separately and get that stuff in there. This is exactly, um, you'd say, well, how could they ever invent that? Well, oceans have been around for literally a long, long time. And you already know that if you go swimming in the ocean, that your sinuses get cleaned right out. Have you ever seen that?
5: You, you can notice you, you can buy... Um... Yeah, when I'm sick, I buy this thing at the store. It's like it's like a saline solution, but it's mm-hmm. like a a little device that's like you squirt it up your nose and it comes out the other side, and it like cleans it out really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you could you could buy that at like any like pharmacy, like.
2: Or you it. cannot buy that. You've got one of those devices right here at the end of your arm. <laughs> it's called a hand. Sure. Oh, but in our society you've got to go buy something.
5: It just works better, like it's practical.
2: How how it do you just... know that it's better?
5: <laughs> because it's a it's squirt it's like the thing, it's a it's a pointed nozzle and you just squirt it straight up. You don't have to like yeah. you don't have to hold water in your hand. Like the water's gonna fall out of your hand. Like it's that's difficult.
2: I've never had any problem with water falling out of my hand, but I have in right now. If I wanted such device that you're talking about, I would suffer because I don't have one. Uh (laughs) There's not one here. I don't even think there's one on the island here. I'd have to go to Bangkok to find one of those things. But I wouldn't have to go to Bangkok to find a hand. I've got one of those right here. (laughs) But anyway, on I, Amazon.
5: I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll mail one to you. Domurato. I'll send one in the mail.
2: I will suffer until it arrives. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorado, can I ask a question? Yes, yes go ahead. Alex. Okay.
3: So on the subject of, of the liking, and we're talking about, like, why do I like that? How, why do I like that girl? So, um. My pre- So I recently broke up with my girlfriend, and I moved out of the place where we both That's were That's why we together. haven't
2: seen you for a couple of weeks. Now we know what you've been doing. <laughs> 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 yeah, so I um,
3: went to live with my mom, and that was like a big decision. Um,
2: On whose part? Your mom's?
3: no um my decision it was a mutual decision for both of us to move separate move into separate places but you know we just basically found out that we broke up got back together broke up got back together it happened like probably about five times um toward the end of our relationship that means
2: you only have another 20 to go (laughs) so at some point we, I mean, yeah. isn't that what sex is all about? In and out and in and out and in <laughs> and out <until> it's
3: over? <laughs> yeah, so what I wanted to ask about kind of is, like, now that I just feel like it, it was um, a wholesome decision to finally, like, let it go, to, like, be done with it. Maybe not forever, you know, who knows, but at least for right now, because that's all there is, right? And. um I find myself sometimes going throughout the day. I mean, we're cordial. We're friendly with each other. So I find myself sometimes going throughout the day, uh, you know, wondering if she texted me, I'll check my phone, Um, she'll text me. I will wonder if she's gonna like ask me to come hang out like she did last time and then end up getting back together and then breaking up. And so I get afraid of this cycle starting up, but here's the thing. When I notice these these thoughts, these feelings of I like this or I want this instead of doing anything about it, I'll just sit here and kind of like try to understand that feeling like look into it, right? But. My question is, like you were saying Don how do we know if it's wise feeling? Or if it's not wise feeling if she asks me hey, let's go get breakfast together. And it's like, a, I don't know, like how do I know that that would not be wise or that it would be wise other than based on my direct, I mean, obviously it's you, just my direct experience, but.
2: You've already given me the, um, uh, the key to that in the sense yeah. that you said that you let it go. And then you got talking about checking your cell phone and checking to see, if she's (laughs) called you and all of that, which indicates that you haven't let it go. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was meaning about the in and out and in and out. Neither one of you have let it go yet. Yeah. Okay. You haven't let it go yet. So here's what you can do every time that you have a thought of her. Catch that thought and recognize it all. I don't have her now, and that's okay. I yeah. can't let her go. I got along without her before I met her, and I'm getting along without her now. That's the real letting go. See, you haven't really let go yet. It's more of like the explosion, but the explosion is still happening. The shrapnel was- hasn't finished yet.
3: I I would say you're you're spot on in some ways, but I I also do think like gradually there has been a letting go because it it took a it mm-hmm. took courage, you know if I, if I could say if I could call it that way it took courage it took um, it really took something to just be like okay I'm moving out, you know it it took something to break up five times,
1: mm-hmm. so
3: you know I know what you. <laughs> <laughs> it is comical i know but i i know what you're saying as well so <clears throat> do we just would you recommend just not texting even then too? not reaching
2: precisely out, not- so uh, yes i would recommend that and i would recommend even further that when you have a thought of texting her let that thought go yeah as soon so, as you have a thought of her before you even have texting her. See, thought of her and then texting her, and you still haven't let it go. And then you text her, you still haven't let it go. The place to let her go yeah. is as soon as you have the thought of her. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't I, need I, to think about her. She's not here now.
3: Yeah. And I honestly I really do agree with you. The only conflict with that is that um, you know, Dan and I have been talking and mm-hmm. It's weird. It's like, in some ways, I feel like I can actually be a friend to her because I.
2: So long as you don't want her, you can exactly. be friends with her.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So long as I don't want her. But the wanting, the liking, the wanting comes in and out of just mm-hmm. being her friend. So it's wakey. It's,
2: wakey. It's dirty. wakey. yes, yeah. wakey, wakey to that. <laughs> Wake up to that. Okay, yeah. When you...
3: So I'm seeing it. Yeah.
2: So when you have thoughts of her say I, I she's not here yeah. that's the easy way if, if any yeah. thought that you have about anything or anyone that's not right here in front of you you don't need to have that thought You can, in other words, you can trust yourself that when she is there in front of you, you can handle it correctly. You do not have to get all of your guns and all of your ammunition and all of your readiness to take care of her when she comes. You have the wisdom to handle her unprepared. In other words, we're looking for a better way of preparing. And the better way of preparing is to recognize. Bye, Scott. I can guess. handle it the way that it that it that it will happen, and that I can let her go right now. I don't have to get all goosed up and ready. Yeah, that I can I come like back that. and just enjoy this particular moment right now without her. Wow, what so then, a marvelous moment this is.
3: So then, how do I know if it's when it's appropriate to just be her friend? To go have breakfast with her, if we want to do like
2: when she calls you, now she's in your world. Wakey wakey, be careful. But when she's not in your world, when she's not calling you, she's not texting you, then throw her out of the mind. Whenever she comes back yeah. into the mine, throw her back out, say, she's not here right now. I don't need that. And you can handle, you can do anything with that. Oh, the police are not here right now. I don't have to think about how bad the police are. Oh, Donald Trump is not here right now. I don't have to think about Donald Trump. Yeah. Right now. Oh, Putin is not here in my yard. I don't have to worry about what's happening in the Ukraine right now. This is the way Everybody. of doing it, okay? And that happens with everything. And, and it's especially valuable with relationships. Yeah. When they, no, when, I... they, when they break up, the easy way to handle it is when you recognize that you've got, when she's on your mind, she's heavy. The longer yeah. you hold her on your mind, the heavier she's going to get. Your desire yeah. is going to build up. But yeah. the easy thing to do is just to throw her out. As now, soon as you see her there as soon as now, you recognize if, go ahead okay
3: i'm with you i, I love this honestly i do cuz this is this is a different a little different approach um but what i'm asking about more directly is like on the relative level do i be friends with her do i text her back if she texts me do i
2: I don't know the answer to that kind of question because she's not texting us right now. <laughs> right now, she's not here. The only place that that poor girl exists is in your mind, and you're to- <laughs> and you don't have to worry about that. But in other words, text the question me. is: how yeah, do you gonna- how do you answer this text? Because when you get a text from her, you still don't have the girl. All you've got are a few words on a cell phone.
3: Okay. She's going to text me me
2: back.
4: (laughs) Well, Wouldn't you you say it would be useful to uh, prepare for a situation you know is going to happen? I mean... I mean, if he knows she's going to text, wouldn't that be good to anticipate that and be ready for that? I mean, I would personally say don't text her. I mean, if you have issues dealing... Like, until you're indifferent, you're you're stuck. I mean, that's not even a Buddhist thing. Ah,
2: that's exactly right. That's what I'm inviting him to do, is to get... um, What word did you use? Indifferent. 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 Become indifferent right now. As soon as she comes in, throw her out. Indifferently. Just out Okay. And when, yeah. uh, when a text message comes, all you've got is a text message. You still don't have the girl. This is an important point. Okay. How do you answer a text message? I don't even know what's in the text message yet. So the, asking that kind of question is kind of irrelevant because we don't know the answer to that. And I also don't know how you will be feeling when she calls you. She, You may get that text message when you're on the bus. You may get that text message when you're on the toilet. You may get that text message when you're eating. I don't know what's happening, so it doesn't matter. But what we can get prepared for is, is that when you do get the text message, you'll be okay. You can handle it.
3: But you're not really answering whether or not to have like the, the view or the attitude of being her friend or not being her friend when she texts me, when I'm engaging with her in that text, am I her friend? Or am That's I just
2: because acquaint- I do not know what's in that text message. Is it full of knives? <laughs> is it full of uh, I- uh, nooses? That's the whole point is, is that you about, need okay. to learn how to be appropriate in the moment. And I can't tell you about what appropriate (laughs) means in some moment that we don't have the description of. Okay.
4: Wouldn't this be like the uh, Buddha saying to, you know, go into seclusion type thing? I mean, like, wouldn't it be better for him to, like, practice this in his own head rather than with her directly? I mean, I don't. don't Yes,
2: throwing her out of the mind when she's Um, not there is the practice that he needs to throw the desire for her out of the mind when she is there.
3: I think what you're getting at is that the more I practice throwing her out of my mind when she's not here, the more I'll be prepared to deal with her when she's in the mind when I when she is there.
6: Yes, 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 that's exactly you're, right. You're,
3: you're like doing a Zen Cohen without telling me you're doing a Zen Cohen. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me. You set me up. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes. I knew it 10 minutes ago, but I was just being stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can do that.
2: Yes. Yes. That's the way to do it, handle it in the moment of getting her out of the mind. And when yeah. she is completely out of the mind and then she texts you, she'll then you can handle that appropriately. But if you're warning and boiling and yeah. streaming and what am I going to do, what am I going to do? And then the text message comes. Now you're right. in busy.
3: You're right. No, you're absolutely right. Because when you're when you are under the impression of desire, you can't see clearly.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: So what
3: we're, what we're they've trying got to a do song get...
2: for that? <laughs> they, they do. <laughs> yeah, it's by the Platters, 1953. I can. When see your there, heart's yeah. on fire, burning oh. with desire, smoke gets in your eyes.
1: <laughs>
2: when your heart's on fire, burning with desire, smoke gets in your eyes. <laughs> so why don't we get the desire out of the mind? Yeah. When your heart's on fire, see that fire, put it out. And when you put that fire out, and you've got uh, wisdom, there's no smoke in your eyes. When she now calls, you can do, you can handle that um, wisely because you got your eyes open. Not pull the smoke. Cool, cool. Yes, that's the way. To, so Christopher, <laughs> that's your, your answer is absolutely right there. Okay, the way yeah, to hand to get ready for her <clears throat> is by getting rid of her in the mind right now, so that she's not yeah. here. And then there's no more desire. And then you know how to handle it.
3: <clears throat> thanks for the assist, Christopher.
2: <laughs> Eric, your hand has been up for a while. Do you still have anything?
1: You're on mute. You're you're mute. You're mute again.
4: I I don't know. You're on mute.
6: (laughs) Yeah, I was uh, thinking about this case and also when people bring up the topic of wanting to stop smoking for example as a they want to change some behavior and in this case and also in this case of the kid one in cereal uh you advise um that people go through the motions but not actually fulfill the the want Mm -hmm. and i was wondering if there was a sutta related to that and also, what's the difference in this case with the texting? Like, for example, would it be also viable to write a whole text but then not send it and forget about it? And why would that not be interesting? Uh, appropriate, if at all?
2: Okay, if you have to get something out of your system, that's the way to do it. Then, in fact, uh, uh, that's one of the well-known things about Abraham Lincoln. That after he died, they went through his desk and they found dozens and dozens and dozens of very angry letters that he had uh, written to people. And after he wrote it, he piled it in his drawer. He didn't send them. This is one of the ways of handling it, okay? That if you got something on your mind, yeah, write it down, get it out. In fact, I've actually practiced that. Haven't practiced it in several years, but there have been times when I really needed to get this off my chest. Oh, you're a terrible meditation teacher because you charge money. And I write all of that down, but then I don't write the because <laughs> I can see what I'm doing. <laughs> So if that's how we have to do it, and and in fact, what we can do when we when we really let it out, when we write it all down and write those feelings, we can recognize, hey, I don't want to feel that way. That's not who I am. But if I blurt all of that out in front of someone, then I've gotten I've done some damage. So writing it down and throwing it out, that's just one way of doing it. We, we might, in fact, want to uh, say that to Alex. Yeah, Alex, write her a text what? message. Let her have it. But don't <laughs> send it to her. Erase that message. Because we know it's unwholesome. After we've read it. When we're writing it, we don't. we think, oh, I've got to say this. It's really important that I tell her this. Then after you write it, you recognize, wait a minute, this was not the right thing to say. Let's not send that. <laughs> so, yes, that's, that's one of the ways of handling it. But the better way of handling, or let us say a more sophisticated way of handling it, is as soon as you get that paper out to write that note or as soon as you open the email, you can say, wait a minute, I'm not even going to bother to write this stuff down. I'm just going to throw it out of my mind now. And then the next time, before you even sit down to the laptop, you can say, wait a minute, I'm not even going to go to the laptop to write that email. I'm going to throw that stuff out of the mind right now. Okay, so the quicker we can catch it before it builds up, because when we keep it on the mind, it gets heavy. And so catch it quick. Throw throw old girlfriends out of the mind. Don't let them stay. That, in fact, that's one of the things that... uh. Hmm. You guys are young, maybe except for a couple of us like like Chris. But Chris, I think that you can understand that. Um, in my life and probably in yours, there have been memories of things that came up 25, 35, 45, 55 years ago, 65 years ago, things come up. And those things are so dead. And so when I think about it, I think about it like a a, a house that I used to live in. Uh, In fact, it was my grandmother's house. I'll tell you a little bit about it. The house was built in 1920. And that uh, even as, uh, as a monk in the United States, I still felt responsible for the new hot water heater and the plumbing and tearing up the floor in the bathroom and putting a new floor in and all of that kind of stuff. So that's just the context. Now, when I think about that house. Just any any image, a flash, just anything, I can say, wow, I'm glad I don't have to live there anymore. Wow, I'm so glad that I don't have to put up with that job, whatever it was. So anything that you have in, that comes from the past, you can immediately think, wow, I'm really glad that that's over. Wow, isn't it nice? I don't have to put up with that even to the point that now that I can think of it, because my mom's been dead now for several years, whenever I think of her, I can say, wow, I don't have to think about my mom anymore at all. She's dead. What a relief it is. I don't have to think about her at all. What good would it do if I did think about her? Am I going to reminisce and then figure out something that I did wrong and and I uh, uh, um, abused her in some way? Now, how am I going to feel? right and there's nothing i can do about it so throw that old house throw mom dead mom's dead animals anything that comes into the mind throw it back out we don't need it we can be properly comfortable and happy right here right now but when we start dredging up the past we're asking for trouble and we're going to find it start. I mean, if it's uh, uh, that old house, we'll say, oh, wow, I should go back to that old house. It belongs to somebody else now. I don't even know the owner. I never met him. But I should go tell him about his house. <laughs> to me, that reminiscing is connected to wanting all
6: things to be new again.
2: Yes, exactly true. True reminiscing is dangerous because we want old things to be new again instead of letting the newness of this present moment be the, all the newness that I need. Yeah. So that's how we handle go- old girlfriends. Just throw them out. Hey, Domorato. Yes.
3: Another Another way that um before you gave me this idea of like you know noticing the thought when it comes and then just throwing it out maybe this is another version of that what i've been doing is i'll have like these feelings or desires come up of like wanting to be in her presence or talk to her or have sex with her or whatever and then i'll just kind of like sit there and see all of it and at first it looks like this scary kind of like thing, like almost like a monster that's coming in to attack me. Like, oh my gosh, I don't want to feel this. But then the more I just see it, it's like I'm now hugging the monster. It's like we're now having a warm embrace. And so this whole experience is like horrifyingly beautiful. It's like the 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 ephemeral nature of the entire thing. It's like this pain looked solid. It looked like something I needed to do about it. I needed to run away from it or um, chase it down. And then all of a sudden, it's like as if it wasn't even there because I just surrendered to it. I just opened my arms
2: to it. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is is that you spent a few mind moments just running into a brick wall. Here's another way of handling it. As soon as the thought comes from her about her, you can throw her out. Now, what you were saying is, is that when she comes, you have a good moment then you have a really really bad moment and then you have a resolution to that bad moment and come back into having good feelings about her right so it goes with thought no good feelings bad feelings good feelings is that the sequence i don't i don't
3: think so you you you
2: you got me you got me questioning it but
3: i That's not exactly what I meant. What I meant is that when you look at this thing called pain, whatever it is, which is bringing pain, the thoughts, the feelings, whatever it is, right? And you sit with it for a minute and you see it.
2: That's what I'm recommending against. I'm recommending you not do that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Because what you're saying that after you sit with it a few minutes, then you can resolve it.
3: Well, it resolves itself.
2: Just by No, you it, resolve it. it. You make that change. Come on, guys. You're not that much of a victim of your own life. You took responsibility and you resolved it. You let it go. And what I'm saying, do that earlier. As soon as she okay. comes to mind, you don't have to go into the conflict and then resolve the conflict. Okay. And in fact, you can see her in the mind, throw her out. And then have that as the resolution of the conflict. In other words, you can immediately feel good. Wow, I'm glad I don't have to think about her. I'm glad I don't have to have a trauma and then resolve it. I could just throw it out immediately.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I appreciate that. But it's interesting because I thought that was kind of like a victory. Because usually these things, when they come up, they would seem sticky. They would seem like I need to do something about them. But now I can kind of just see them and surrender. It's like this act of surrendering, just making peace with it in the moment of seeing it. And it's kind of like the same thing happens. I throw it out. But it just doesn't look the same way as what you're saying.
2: So in the early days, or let us say before, that you would have the thought of the girl. Then you'll have a long, long time of conflict, conflict, and conflict, and finally a resolution. And now you've yep. gotten it to where the thought of the girl comes and then a little bit of conflict, a little more conflict, and then resolution. And now you're saying, why don't I just do thought of the girl, have some conflict, and then resolve it? And my solution is to say, as soon as the girl's thought comes, throw that out. Don't go through the conflict and the conflict resolution and come to an even finer more uh, relaxing resolution. Wow! Well, I didn't even have to go through that cycle. I got even hmm. a better resolution by not going through the conflict, conflict resolution cycle. Hmm. Okay. That immediately I can feel good. Wow! Well, I don't have to think about that old house. Wow! Well, I don't have to think about that old job. Wow! Well, I don't have to think about that old car. Wow! Well, I don't have to think about that old woman. Well, I don't have to think about that young (laughs) chick. I don't have to think about that kind of stuff because it's not here now. Okay. And then you can go around saying, well, I don't have to think about anything because there's nothing going on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So how quick are you going to catch it? You're already talking about uh, how you're speeding it up and getting there so that you spend less and less time in conflict before you go to resolution. So I'm saying, yeah, we can short circuit that even just as soon as the thought comes up of her. In fact, when the thought does come up, that's almost already a kind of a conflict because she's Mm -hmm. not here.
3: What if you don't care about the thought so much?
2: You should start thinking about the thoughts that you've got because there are many of them are unwholesome, leading you into feelings that you don't really need to have. When you can have feelings of joy and delight and happiness directly without having to go through any conflict to get a conflict resolution to find your joy, you can have the joy directly. Mm. That's one of the delusions that you've been told. That's one of the lies that you've been told is conflict. Resolution is wonderful. Therefore, let's go have some conflict (laughs) Hmm. when we don't need any conflict. We could just resolve it directly. Okay. As soon as she comes to mind, throw her out with thoughts like, wow, I'm glad I don't have to think about her. Wow, well, isn't it nice that that's not a problem? It's not a conflict, nothing to do, no place to go. Everything is all right.
3: The only issue I have with that is that like the only reason why I would throw out a thought is because my relationship to it is such that I don't want it around. But if my relationship to the thought is, oh, that's okay. That's another one. Oh, that's okay. Oh, that's fine too. No, if you okay.
2: step into that cow and pasture, be aware that there are going to be cow pies. That's the whole point is, is of going in and thinking about someone is that you're going to have a mixed bag. Your relationship with her was a mixed bag. If you start into right. the top of the bag that feels good, you don't have to go very deep before you run into a punch of crap. You're right. Better you're right. to keep your hand out of that bag. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you're talking about specific example, Christopher, you got your hand up,
4: yeah, I, I, I was just thinking, you know, this kind of I feel like it ties a little into what Parker said because you know you're in and, and what Alex is talking about because um, I, I have a tendency to number one, think through things continuously but it's been very effective for a lot of areas of my life and uh in other areas you know it's a disaster because i'm always in my head instead of being in the real world but um you know is there an appropriate time to to spend some time in your head i mean again it's difficult for me to completely shut that off this whole trying to figure things out and thinking things through, because again, it has been really successful. Like if I, like Alex was talking about a situation going on with his girlfriend, there's been many times where I've thought through conversations with people and those conversations have turned out much better than if I had just gone into the conversation without thinking it through ahead of time. So, um, Mm -hmm. and you know, same thing with Parker talking about, you know, researching things before he gets into them. Things have turned out way better when I've spent a, a little bit of time thinking it through and, you know, going through my head. Uh, the question is, is when do you turn that off, or when do you turn it on, and, and when, you know, when when is it useful, and when you know, how do you turn it off when it's not useful? Because that's that's my difficulty is turning it off All when right. it's no longer useful.
2: That's a, that's a really excellent question, and the answer to that has to do then with wisdom. When you see things the way that they're headed, in other words, uh, having the thought of the girl is because we're not looking at the desire and other things like that. So <clears throat> uh, there is also the the idea of reflecting or figuring things out. In other words, reviewing the evidence is not a bad idea. Looking at what's going on and. uh, uh, Achen Semedo has a word for it. He calls it wise reflection. To reflect wisely over what has uh, what has occurred or coming to the solution to a problem and that. One of the hobbies, in fact, the only hobby that I've got has to do with uh, uh, servers and hard drives and things like this. And so I actually apply that kind of thing to that. But after I've done that kind of thing, oh, wouldn't it be good if I put SSDs on the data collection uh, stream? Because that data collection stream has a lot of, you know, and so I've gone, gone through that. But after I've had the idea of the improvement, the actual implementation of that improvement had to be done in the moment. That if I try to implement it the way that I thought about it, it will always be a failure. That our plans never work out. We can use wise reflection to get an idea of how things are going, but don't get attached to I've got to do it the way that I thought about it. Rather, we have to stay open in that moment. Uh, A clear example is the guy who uh, he has an argument with his girlfriend. Then he goes into the meditation hall and sits having a meditation sitting. And while he's there, he rehashes that argument with his girlfriend, thinking that he's now got just the right thing that he wants to tell her. He's got it solved. And so he enjoys the rest of the meditation or something like that. And then he comes out. And he starts that conversation with his girlfriend only to find out that she's got a new answer. And the the answer that he dropped up while he was sitting in meditation didn't work. It wasn't effective. You hear where I'm coming from? In other words, yes, it's good to reflect, but don't let our new reflection or our new decision that we have made cloud the next present moment. That we don't come attached to, oh, that's the solution to the problem. But rather, we can take that as, oh, that's the direction that I'm going. That we don't ever know what the results are ever going to be. The best we can do is get things going in the right direction. So that's a better way of looking at it is, is that we can't actually solve that, into, uh, that problem intellectually because we don't have the reality of that present moment to deal with it. We're all we have are our own ideas, but we can get things going in the right direction, that that's wisdom. And that's the question that you're asking. Yes, we do want to do some reflection. We do want to figure out that I can change this and I can change that, but don't get attached to that. Because when you implement it, you're going to have to implement it in an environment that you didn't actually consider all of. One of the jokes that I tell is about the guy who um, uh, stops in at the 7-Eleven. And for him, it's a drop do- uh, dead gorgeous babe behind the counter. And when he leaves the store and drives in down the, tool, uh, down the, the highway, he's thinking about that girl. But all he can think about is his own imagination. All he can do is look at her face and what he sees is the makeup and all of that. But there's 10,000 stories about her that he doesn't know. He doesn't know that that she's got two ex-husbands that are jealous and trying to kill each other. She doesn't know that that she's got two teenage kids that hate every guy that comes into her life, and that they learn to do that from her mother, who really does hate every guy that comes into her life. And so now you've got a mother that's going to hate you, you've got two ex-boyfriends that are going to hate you, and two kids that are going to hate you, and all you can think about is the girl that you want to love. That's the problem that we have is, is that when we are doing our reflections, we don't take in all the data that we need, but we can get enough data to know which direction to go in. This is wisdom, is looking at where, the way that things are pointed or way that things are aimed. I use the word uh, about a gun because I have been around them enough. I haven't been on very many rifle ranges, but I did go hunting when I was a teenager, and the scene was that there was an old man that was carrying a twelve double barrel 12-gauge shotgun under his left arm, just letting it hang there while he was walking around, pointing it at various trees and various kneecaps and things like that. And everybody in that hunting party got really pissed off at this guy because he wasn't mindful of the way that his shotgun was pointing. I hear that that's a very important thing on gun rangers now that everybody is quite mindful of which direction the guns are pointing, because if you've got a gun that's waving around in the in in the air, it might go off. That's dangerous if we can recognize that our mouth is like a gun, we got to make sure of which direction that it's always pointing because it could go off at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> And in which direction is the mouth pointing? It's in the mind, wherever the mind is pointing. So watch how your mind is pointing. And you do that through this reflection. But just because we know which direction to go doesn't mean that we know what the results are. Just because the gun is is pointed in that particular direction doesn't mean that we know exactly what target it's going to hit because we don't know that. But we do have a general idea that if the gun is pointed in that direction, it's not going to hit a target over there. That we can tell. And so this is what we mean by wisdom is figuring out which direction things are headed. You can see that in in a conversation with with someone that if you say something, you can see how they react to it. And if we react in a certain way, you can say, oh, well, I'm not going to take this conversation in that direction. Let's take it someplace else. And so that's one of the reasons why I like to have people on the video is I can see the nodding heads and the smiles and the uh, or the confusions and things like this. And so when people have a confused look on their face, I'll know to go back and recircle around it. But if they've got smiling like that, then I know that they've got it and we can move on. So this is an example of that is look at the way that people's faces, expressions, nodding and other things like that uh in the moment or in the sense of reflecting uh that you can figure out which direction you want to take things um but going back to that idea about oh i'm going to put ssds on my data collection devices i had no idea that i would wind up with the uh the configuration that i have right now because that was all experimental It had the idea of I'm going to add SSDs, but the actual implementation of it was something that had to be experimented with and played with and uh, things like that in the present moment. But if I had demanded that, oh, I'm going to implement those SSDs exactly the way that I thought about them in the first place, I still wouldn't have a system going. (laughs) So there's there's a combination of the two. And that is, is that, yes, we can use wise reflection to figure out things, but we can't get attached to our figuring out. We have to still implement it in the present moment.
1: Does that help,
2: Chris? Yes, very much. Okay. Thank you. Well, does anybody else have anything? Robert, I'm glad to see you come on. I see that you called me yesterday late and I didn't get it. I apologize for that. I hope to see you again soon. We also have a guest. Guest 31 detected. Well, does anybody have any more to say? I mean, we've been going now about an hour and forty minutes. This has been very interesting. Anybody got any extra questions or anything? Well, as guys, it's been really good to see you again. Hope to see you all again soon. Thank good to see you Thank, you.
6: Thank you. Have a nice weekend, you good to see you for the first
2: time, Chris. Yep. See you guys later. Bye. See you, yeah. See you Robert. See you, guest.